Okay, quick intro here just because I am so excited to get into this episode. Today we are speaking to a spiritual concierge. We get into all kinds of incredible things. We also talk about the final moments of life. Um, she, she spent a lot of time with people in their final moments, and we, we kind of discuss what she noticed and, and, and how people reacted differently. And we also get into past lives. She's lived multiple lives. She's currently living multiple lives, some on Earth, some elsewhere. It's a wild interview. It was so much fun. I absolutely loved every second of it. You are going to love it, too. Um, of course, please tell a friend, spread the word. Uh, also, <laughs> I know how many of you guys are listening. Please, it helps. Leave a review. Uh, write a review. Give us five stars. That stuff really helps, and it would really help if the amount of people listening actually did it. So please, if you can, take a second before you start the episode. Uh, go into your Apple podcasting app, whatever. Leave a review, leave five stars, or follow us on Spotify, whatever it is. Either way, thank you for continuing to listen to Obsessed with Death, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. What is your feelings, to, and this might be a loaded question too, but what is your feelings towards death? Like, are you scared? Are you excited? Do you think about it a lot? How do you feel about death? Yeah, um, so I do think about it a lot. I think about it at least three times a day. Um, okay. I have an intentional I have an intentional practice. It's um, based on Maranasati, which is a... Um, actually like a Buddhist practice of reflecting on death um, every single day. So it's something I do intentionally um, because I think I am, I think I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of pain, like physical pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm not afraid at all of dying. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, sure, sure, sure. It's you're more you're more concerned about how you're going to die. You don't want it to be painful, right? Yeah. Sure. Like, I mean, I don't think anybody wants it to be painful. I want to. I want to die in my sleep. That seems that seems perfect. I no, just no idea that it even happens. You see, I want to be awake. I want to be awake, and I want to greet it. I want to meet my death. I want to be conscious of her approach, and I want to meet her, and I want it to be a journey that that I take consciously. Okay, that I mean, you just made death sound so cool, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is probably because this is, and I and I want I want to get into exactly what it is you do, but um, I found you through Instagram. I think we have a mutual friend. I, I think I, I'm not sure, um, but I, I I don't I don't remember exactly what post I saw. You mentioned something about remembering past lives and mm -hmm. that really stuck out to me because we, we had just done a previous episode about reincarnation yeah. and I'm completely obsessed with reincarnation I love the idea I love the possibilities that it that it that it uh that it gives but your profession is you are a spiritual concierge is that correct correct okay yeah. So what does that entail exactly? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so a spiritual concierge, I actually like made up that term to explain what I do. I love it. It's a, it's a great term. <laughs> it's, it sounds super professional when it comes to <laughs> spirituality and death and all uh, concierge, I think is the perfect word. So you nailed it. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, you know, there. I've been doing this work for over 15 years now in some facet. And what, um, what has been true for me my whole life is that 
um, beings that are, are of a different density than us are attracted to me because I can see them and I can hear them. Um, I, you know, as you mentioned, I do remember many of my other lives and I also am able to help people access theirs. So, um, so as a spiritual concierge, what I do is I actually work with your frequency and through the process of resonance, I shift the frequency that you, that you are currently in, into like the next frequency. Um, that you need to start exploring life from that perspective. So that looks wildly different for all of my clients. Like some of my clients, we do like a lot of shamanic work. Some of my clients do solely like meditation and therapy type work. Some of my clients are more um, experiential where we actually are out on the land because they are connected to the land. So as a spiritual concierge, you know, what I do with every client is very, very different um, but it is absolutely rooted in my understanding of death and life in that cycle. That sounds amazing. Um, how, how quickly could you get somebody to remember their past lives? Like what kind of process is that like? So it, it just depends. It depends on the person. There are a lot of things that contribute to this. Um, if the person is willing to do the homework, um, which is sort of, this is like the crux of the matter is I typically meet with my clients one time a week for three months to start. And normally by the, before we even get into the third month, they've had pretty dramatic shifts in their ability to perceive, you know, either other lives um, or other gifts that they might have. Um, so if, if somebody's willing to do the work, sometimes it's one or two sessions. Sometimes it is closer to the, to the full three months. Again, I mean, there's so many things that tie yeah, into the I understand diet, lifestyle, you name it, like it all. Really? Oh, yeah. So when you say that they are discovering these past lives, like, what does that mean exactly? Are they like seeing it? Are like, is it a a feeling they have? Like, how do they how do they discover that? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I want to take just a quick second, because this is so important to what I do that I don't actually think of them as past lives. I don't experience them as um, past so much as other. So everything to me is simultaneous, um, which gets really, really important in understanding how I feel about death. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So for, you know, and again, everybody is different. So for me, I actually see them like I, it's like, I, it's like, there's a projector playing in my mind. And so I can actually go into that life and like actually see, taste, smell, hear, feel everything. Some of my clients are more like prone to like an audio, you know, perception where they might just start hearing things from these other lives. Some of them actually journey in their dreams. Some of them will have waking visions. Some of them will um, use automatic writing and just start writing about others, writing stories about wow. other wow. that they're in. So again, you know, the mechanism is different for each person. And that's why sure. I'm a concierge because I tailor to each person the way that a concierge does. Again, exactly why you picked the perfect title. Um, <laughs> I, I, love, I love that. So again, whatever you're comfortable talking about, but when did you re- like, when did this start for you? When did you realize that you were seeing simultaneous lives and, and did you start smelling and hearing? And I mean, how did this all start and how terrified were you when it started? So I wasn't terrified at all. I was a child. Um, that seems terrible. I would lo- if I was a child and I just started I, uh, go ahead. You go ahead. That's yeah. So you would think that, but actually, you know, if you put yourself in the perspective of a child, we really do learn fear. So okay. I was very fortunate in that my biological mother wasn't outwardly faced by anything that I shared with her, and so I didn't know to be afraid. I honestly gotcha. didn't. I didn't understand that not everyone remembered that they were more people. Did your mom just think that you were? You, you were just being the typical kid with a, an imaginary friend and you just had a wild imagination. Like how, how, how detailed did you explain it to her? Did you even know at the time what it was or did you just think it was you're just being a kid? Yeah, I had no yeah. idea. Like as a kid, I didn't understand what it was that I was 
remembering, you know, that I was experiencing, I had no idea, you know, so um, my mother was, you know, because of her religious faith, I think she was able to, you know, accept a lot of strange things and sort of assign them away to her faith, um, which is, you know, I don't share that path, but, you know, I'm grateful for it because I think a lot of parents hearing what their child was saying to them, what I would say to my mother probably would have freaked them the fuck out. Like they yeah. probably would have been like, nope. Oh um, my God. Of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I talked about this on another episode as well, but there was a thread on Reddit that kind of exploded where people were sharing stories from when their children were between like the ages of like three and six. Mm-hmm. And they were all, there was these very specific things that almost every story had in them from what these, these kids were saying. And a lot of the parents felt the same way where they're like, yeah, they, they would tell me these detailed stories. Mm-hmm. They would have names and places and, and all of this stuff. And like, it's almost like their personality would change in the way they would like share these stories and speak. And I couldn't imagine being a parent. And that's just like your kid just like turns into like a World War II veteran and telling stories like that would be it's an it's an incredible thread. I I can't recommend it enough if you're interested in just reading. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you. It's really, really the I haven't made I haven't checked it out in in like a few weeks. But at the time, there was like over 13,000 people had posted on it. It was it's it's so much fun. Just I would just scroll through and just stop on one and read it. And they're they're incredible. But okay, so you're you're a child. You're telling your mom these things. What kind of things are you telling your mom? So, you know, my mom and of course, I don't remember this as very young, but my mom yeah. said, I, you know, she's like, you were just kind of a strange kid in general. Like it took me a really long time to talk, but I would sit and read books. She's like, you could read before you could talk, <laughs> Interesting. Um, which reading is my superpower. Um, but, you know, I would say things like I told her, she said, one of the very first things I said to her as a child, like a very young child was I'm on a journey. I love um, that. And she was like, what's that mean, sweetie? Um, I, when I was seven, six, I was six, between six and seven, I wrote a book on the medicinal uses of herbs, um, which is like most children do, like most children do. (laughs) But the thing is that in another life, I'm an herbal healer. Okay. And so, but what was really fascinating was that my mom then looked at some of these herbs and was like, these aren't herbs that we even have in the US. Like we don't even use, like Pennyroyal was one of them. Like she was like, people don't even use that anymore. But when we started, like she started looking into it, she was like, yeah. this was very common in the 1800s in Great Britain. This is an herb that would be used for these things. So my information was accurate. Like every, and I still have it somewhere. And like, I look at it and I'm just like, well, yeah, obviously. But then I have to think like, if I was That's- an adult experiencing a child doing this, how creepy that would be (laughs) yeah I mean there's there's so many similar stories that that I've heard where again these these children are not only giving like very specific details like names and towns and whatever but they're also able to explain how to do things and Mm -hmm. and build things or just whatever that is and the parents will always some of them who at least are, are interested will go and research it and Nine times out of the 10, the, the kid's completely correct uh, on explaining a thing he should know nothing about. He or she should know nothing about. So yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, you know, that was my experience was just, I, I didn't know. I honestly, you know, my first experience with death was my great grandfather. Um, and I was about six or seven at the time. And he was old. I mean, he was, you know, my great grandfather. So, yeah. um, and I, I legitimately was so confused at the funeral. I, I didn't understand why everybody was so upset. Like I could see that his spirit had left his body, but I could also like feel that, you know, he was just going through like the process of picking where his consciousness was going to go next. And I didn't have that language for it, but you know, for me, I didn't understand that it was a loss. Like I just was like, oh, well, he's just going to show up again in a different body somewhere, you know, like I yeah. didn't. You, just, it you as, just knew that, like no right. one told you that. You no just one told me that. Yeah. And, and that's not a belief structure in, in any of my family. So none, none of my family are um, members of a faith that believe in reincarnation. Gotcha. So that was not a term I even heard until 
like almost college. Wow. Yeah. So are you just like walking around in like multiple worlds right now? Like, do you just, are you just seeing things that nobody else is seeing? Like, how do you even function in this world when there's so many others constantly happening for you? Yeah, that's sometimes I'm not great at it, Rob. Yeah. Sometimes I uh, think that calls are scheduled for one day. They're scheduled for another. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a, a, a minor scheduling issue, which is completely understandable. Honestly, um, I did what you did to someone three days ago. I did the same. Like it happens. Like I, it totally, happens. It's, it's totally understandable. Yeah. Um, but sure, okay. <laughs> so, good point. so yeah, no, I, I mean, I've learned, you know, I've, I've since learned, you know, something for me that's been a personal blessing is that in teaching other people how to do these things and how to access um, some of what I access just more naturally um, is that I've learned how to control it a little bit better. Yeah. And, and, and I tell people, this is like playing an instrument. Some people are just, they pick up an instrument and they're very good at it. They still have to practice to perfect it, but it's just easier for them. And then other pick up people pick up the instrument and they're like, oh man, this is woof, you know, but if they <laughs> sure. stuck with it, you yeah. know, if you stuck with it, you could learn to play the instrument. So it's, this is the same thing. And uh, again, basically what you're doing is, are you, are you just showing people what's available to them or are you also teaching? Like, like essentially if somebody went to, had enough sessions with you, they could show other people as well. Like, is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. So, so, so what I really love to do the most, I mean, I do readings, I do resonance readings where I just act as the bridge, the channel between you and your other lives or your guides or whatever it is that, you know, we're interacting with and for. Um, but my real purpose in life is to actually um, teach people how to access these gifts for themselves. And then more importantly is I'm actually like, and, and it's, I mean, I, I just think it's time. So I'm fine saying this out loud and you don't have to cut it out, but you know, but I'm actually in the process of opening a school to teach other people to become spiritual concierges who maybe have gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there are, there are more of us than you would think. And, and a lot of times we don't have a path forward in the world that makes sense to the way that we function. So that's I so exciting. That. Yeah. Congratulations. I can't wait to hear more about that. <laughs> that's very, that's very exciting. Yeah, just we're still in the very beginning phases, but that's that's interesting, though, is is when you say that there are a lot of people like this. Um, do you feel like there's a lot of people like this and they're just not speaking about it a lot? Like, is, is do you look? You're going to tell people <laughs> I've 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 lived many lives. I remember them. I could see them in my head right now. Some people are going to look at you and not not believe first of all mm -hmm. yeah. and they're also probably going to make some <laughs> immediate judgments about you right. which isn't fair but it's just the world that we live in mm -hmm. do you feel like there's a there's a, a large like what am I trying to say like obviously there's a stigma to stuff like this people get uncomfortable it, it makes them uncomfortable whatever it is that keeps people from talking about it but I mean, I've never met anyone like you before. Um, but well, that you knew of. That you knew of. Ex exactly. And that's kind of what I'm trying to say. And I don't know how I'm trying to say it. But do you feel like there's a lot of people that are just like you, but they're just too scared to, to talk about it or tell people? Yeah, too scared or they had to shut it down. You know, for 10 years of my life, I lost the ability to move my consciousness into other lives. I lost my ability to see auras. I stopped being able to communicate with other, other dimensional beings. Um, I went through a trauma and that, and it shut it all down for me for about 10 years. And I had to relearn how to connect to that. And in the same way, you know, you, you mentioned this Reddit thread where kids between the age of three and six are sharing these. Almost everybody, almost every child I've interacted with remembers parts of another life or yeah. another experience. And we are just quite honestly, it's educated out of us. Like we are taught to sure. ignore it and to, and to let it go and to, to frame our minds differently. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I wish I remembered just even more of my own childhood. Like, you know, you kind of lose those memories, obviously, as you get older. 
Mm. It would make more, it would make sense just in the same as if you're being born and you've had this past life, you're just going to eventually forget about it unless you're very lucky or you have somebody that's kind of help as you're, you know, if you have a parent that's maybe kind of like coaching you and keeping a journal or whatever it is. Um, I've mentioned this before as well, but I have a few friends that have young children and it's like that's all I want to talk to them about so I'm just like what do you remember like I want to do it in like a not in, in an intimidating way but I just it's like You're I don't like, care I don't care about your 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 race car tell me about your past life that's all I give a shit about and and it's and it's difficult it's not easy yeah. they don't want to talk about that unless it's like very prominent in their brains or mm-hmm. you know what, whatever the situation is but what because for me, reincarnation is basically just the idea that when I die, I come back as someone else. Is it always, are we always coming back as another person? Are we coming back as different things? Like, what is your opinion on that? And, and or what do you know? Tell me everything. Please. <laughs> I, just, I, have, I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm still trying to get past the image of you just like sitting across from like a toddler holding Shaking their car hostage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can have the car when you tell me what you remember like <laughs> i am i am not far away from that point i promise you in if 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 i end up babysitting that's going to be the entire night is me just grilling them grilling the while kids. holding their toys above their head yeah that's amazing <laughs> um. i mean it's, just, it's it's this it's this very untapped market of reincarnation mm-hmm. they're right there they're right there yeah Everyone uh, just thinks I'm I'm a, a bit crazy for it, which again is unfortunate. Yeah, no. Well, I have a theory on that for you, actually. Um, Let's hear based it. On, based on on what I can see of the way your energy moves. Um, so. Oh my gosh! Wait, you could see my energy. You got you could see stuff through. <laughs> I don't have to be with you. We're doing this no, over Zoom. We don't even. I don't even have to look at you. Honestly, as soon as I know your name, I can like find your. What did you, oh, okay, well, no more questions. <laughs> Tell me everything. What have you seen? What did you find? So I actually think that the reason why you're so interested in this is because I think you're actually accessing a lot of this in your dreams. And so your conscious mind is actually scrambling to try to put the pieces together of what your dream mind and your conscious mind, there's a, there's a disconnect. Your dream mind is going, well, in this state, we're able to experience these things in consciousness, we're not. And so your, your, your mind, Interesting. Which, which is, which is this amazing little computer. Our mind is this amazing computer that functions between our emotional body and our spiritual body and our physical body. And so your mind is trying to solve for that. So gotcha. you have a lot of, you have actually have a lot of like energy in the back of your third eye, which is somebody who, when I see that, it's like you definitely perceive a lot more of the universe in a very intuitive sense, but the front isn't as active. So it's like, you don't know how to like pull that through in a way that how you do, actually. How do I do that? I mean, I'll pay for a session, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do, how does someone do that? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Like I said, you know, it's, it sounds like a cop out, but it's different. It's for different for everybody. Sure. sure yeah. Sure. I so, you know, um, but, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of, for you, what comes through is like sound exercises. I'd probably give you a lot of sound exercises. I feel like you okay. would resonate with that. Uh, yeah. I love it. love a sound. Love a good, yeah. love a good sound. Yeah. That's so interesting. I do have wild dreams. Yeah. I'm um, not <laughs> I have in, in, like I, I it, you know it's so it's so crazy too is because I had a moment while I was asleep last night when I woke up I still can't tell if it was a dream or if it happened yeah um yeah. that literally yeah. happened to me today yeah. I've been thinking yeah. about it all day this is terrifying I love it um <laughs> yeah I do have incredible incre- incredible dreams um and I do. I mean, it's why I do this podcast. I think it's why I obsess. Ab- I, I I obsess about a lot of different things, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them are not exactly the most normal topics for sure. Um, <laughs> but I love. I love that. Um, I, I absolutely love that. Uh, okay, so again, what is what is your definition of reincarnation Uh, we got on a little bit of a tangent there um (laughs) but what exactly because again i just consider it 
me dying and coming back as another person. And I, and I've never really thought about it more than that. Obviously I've thought like, Oh, maybe you come back as a bird. That would be cool or whatever it is. But like, what do you, what do you consider reincarnation? Yeah. So I, my understanding from my experiences, from the, from the beings that I've worked with from, you know, all of my consciousness points is that humans do not reincarnate as animals. Um, Animals can it's almost like once you go from animal to human, like you don't go back. Okay, um, so you can, but then that's that's the end of it. I I don't I don't know if that's the end of it. I I I just don't think it happens. Like I think that it, there's a um, there's a change that happens where it's like you can't. It's like you can't undo. It's like unlocking another strand of like spiritual DNA is how I see it. And once okay. you unlock that. You can't cram it back in the in the box because the box is too small now. Yeah. So, so I don't think that we incarnate as other things other than um, sentient beings. I will say that a lot of us incarnate in different timelines and different dimensions, and um, and even in very different uh, types of forms where we might not have a dense vehicle body at all. It might be mostly light or space or sound. Well, okay. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a, that's a solid answer. Um, yeah. And I, and I love that. I love the idea of different dimensions. I've never really considered that as well. I, again, I've, I've really only thought of it in that very basic um, mm-hmm. just kind of like you it's just like you're just always like the idea of just like this is never stopping like you, you, I'll at least have this like conscious feeling of being alive forever just through different people which is like oddly comforting to me I don't mm-hmm. I don't um but still the idea of just like do some people just stop existing does that happen at all we well, don't you don't stop existing I mean energy is not created or destroyed. So, yeah. right. so it's, you know, you might choose not to incarnate. So your consciousness might then, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not putting your consciousness in a vehicle, then your consciousness sort of just becomes part of the larger picture. You know, it's like, I think of it, how I see it is like, like these beautiful, like sparkly, like, like beings that make up our consciousness. And then when we decide to put it in a vehicle, then they all work together to create like a knowing of that experience. But if we decide that we're not gonna put it in a vehicle, then they're all kind of just free to like roam around the cosmic ethers collecting what they sure. can, you know? <laughs> and and that's something that you believe we, we 100% have a choice in doing. So everything, yeah. we are, consciously making every decision about whatever happens to us once we're no longer alive. Yes. Yeah. So in between, uh, incarnate incarnations. So in between like the vehicles, like we are completely in control of what we do, like whether or not we go into another vehicle, whether or not we explore the ethers, that is a, that's a choice that we make. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, okay. So I don't want to, I want to make sure we get <laughs> into everything I have. I, I don't want to keep you forever. So we're going to, we're going to keep this, we're going to try and keep this to an hour. Um, you mentioned that um, you volunteered in hospice and you helped a lot of people. The way you said it, you got, I forget exactly the phrasing that you put it in, but you, you, you it, it wasn't like you volunteered, like you almost were like brought into it somehow. Does that make sense? I forget the wording you used exactly, but somehow you eventually started working in hospice and, and you, you help people uh, transition spiritually. So something like that. How did you, how did you get into to doing something like that? Like, how does that work? And, and if you could just kind of maybe expri- explain the process of a spiritual transition. Yeah. So I've been drawn to the elderly for my entire life. Um, as a child, I mean, fairly young child, I started volunteering at the local nursing homes. And what I found was that the closer that people get to making that transition to their consciousness, leaving this vehicle and moving to another one, the more at ease I felt with them. 
And it almost that it's almost like um, that was the closest I could get to the feeling of being home for me was being around somebody who was very close to making that transition. And so just, I don't even remember how I ended up working in or like volunteering in hospice. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think I probably didn't, I mean, knowing me, this is how I work. <laughs> um, one of my guides probably told me like, oh, you should look into this. And then yeah. I was like, cool. And then one thing leads to another. And now I'm like volunteering full time, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But it was, it was amazing to have, you know, hospice is such an amazing thing and to care for families and to care for people who are, who are experiencing death, which to me is like the, 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 probably the most um, important part of life is death because it's the only thing that we all know we're all going to experience. It's the most unifying experience that we have as sentient beings is death. And So to be part of a program that identified that and that worked with it and that really sought to understand people's needs in that time was so beautiful and so empowering. Do you feel, I mean, I would just assume, obviously these people, they know their life is ending. They're in hospice. Mm -hmm. This is clearly the end. What do you, what do you notice about somebody like that? Um, Like, how, how do you, how do you, not, it would be it would, it would be unfair to try and compare them obviously to somebody who's just like out living their lives but I would just assume that it's a you're talking to a different type of person when you're around someone who knows they're going to die um, it's a very vulnerable situation mm-hmm. I would think for both of you to be in um, what could you kind of say to to the idea of just being around all of these like you're constantly around all these people that are about to or going to or or possibly dying in that moment like what do you think that does to a person and what do you see from these people when you're around them Mm. yeah that's a that's you know it's funny because I I really see kind of one or two one of two things like they either go into denial where they just can't talk about death at all um and they become very avoidant of what they need to do or things that might feel like wrapping, wrapping it up, you know, they start to avoid those sorts of behaviors, or you see this really beautiful evolution of the soul where, you know, they grieve and they sort of start to think about what the people around them are going to experience. And that's this like magical shift. Like when, when somebody is able to accept their death and then they start to think about the experience of others around them is when I've noticed that's when the peace starts for the person who's the transition. It's like, you know, reconnecting to this idea that we're part of a greater whole. And so decentralizing yourself in the narrative, I think is it's powerful in every context, but I think with death, it's like, that's a point for me where I start to see you know, that stereotype of people who peacefully await for their death or like they're, they've sort of made their peace with it. Um, That's sort of that turning point. So it really is though, it's one of one or one or the other. I found like people either really struggle with it and they go fighting to the end or they kind of do the work and confront it and start to, you know, decenter themselves from the narrative. And do you feel like that has an impact on what happens once they do actually die like does that affect things for them yeah that's such an amazing question um i'm very impressed well thank you i'm (laughs) obsessed with with death (laughs) it's all i think about yeah so thank you please go ahead yeah so one of the things i teach all of my clients and all of my students is that if you know you want to understand manifestation you want to want to understand the world around you you have to understand that every thought every action, every word that you are saying right now is creating your future. Okay. Yeah. So, which is, which is absolutely terrifying, but, <laughs> but, but oddly beautiful. It's right. terrifying and beautiful, but the same is true in the moment of death, whatever you are feeling, thinking, speaking, that becomes your reality for a time after you've transitioned. So you create the experience that you will have immediately after you leave your consciousness, leaves your physical body. Now you don't stay in that. Um, 
you know, it's sort of like our thoughts even have a weight, they have a density in the world. And eventually without a vehicle, that density starts to disperse, to disperse, right? So it's like, it's no longer being contained in a body. So it can sort of like break up and go back into the ethers. But for a while, that thought will be strong enough to hold that reality in place. And so you'll experience whatever it is that you believe, which I honestly think is where the idea of purgatory comes from. I think purgatory is this idea that you know, as you transition, there is a space where you're not completely decided about your next step. And you're sort of living through whatever belief structure it is that you have created for yourself for that moment. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I think about all, a lot of this constantly and I do, I, I do feel like you know, obviously energy is, is very real and, 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 and a big part of, I think what happens to you just throughout your entire life. So I, I have always felt that I, I want to be at peace with the idea of death. And I hope that I'm lucky enough to live a long life, but that at that moment, when things are done, I, I need, I need to, come to peace with all of it because yeah. I do genuinely worry about that I do I don't know what happens I have a million thoughts on it but I always for some reason I always did feel like that is important and again I think even when it comes to your family and and like you spoke on just making sure that they're okay and that you know things are taken care of in the sense that you know it's going to be easier on them or or whatever that that is, I think is is important as well. And someone told me uh, one time how um, another part of dealing with with death is the idea of thinking three steps ahead. So you're thinking about the funeral, you're thinking about your family, like grieving and being there, and and that whole process. And that's kind of always calmed me down a little bit mm-hmm. as well. Instead of thinking about like, oh, I'm gonna get in a car accident like don't think about the car accident and like that right. the scary part just yeah. think about like the calmness and the peacefulness of just kind of like everything wrapping up yeah. so is that so is when you're with these people in hospice and and you're doing this spiritual transition is that kind of what you're you're you're, you're looking to do is is get them to that peaceful point so that they do have an easier time moving on once they do uh, pass away yeah, so it's it's about helping them understand what it is that they want to experience and then helping them anchor that belief in their in their energy so that they do experience that. And then as well, like a lot of it is is the same, believe it or not, I mean it's the same kind of trauma work that I do with my clients who aren't dying. Um yeah. because a lot of people do carry things from their childhood. You know, if I had oh my gosh, if I had a dollar for every person who had unresolved trauma with their mother or their father that comes up on the deathbed. Like I would be a very wealthy individual right now. Really? Um, yeah. So, you know, so that's a, that's a huge thing that I tell my clients is like, you want to, you want to resolve those traumas now. Cause you don't want to be trying to do it on your deathbed, no. trying to understand the whys and, 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 you know, being trapped in that cycle. It's like, so, I mean, a lot of the work is, is very similar to work that I do with people who don't know the time of their death, um, but it's a little bit more accelerated. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that's super important. I, I, I love the idea of, of the, the ability that that you could help these people sort of transition it seems super important i mean obviously there's a lot of people that get put in different situations where they don't you know it's you know it's accidents or murder or whatever and that kind of that seemed to come up to um in, in, with reincarnation with people coming back is like again with this thread that i was reading of different stories a lot of these children that would say you're not my first mom you're not my first family um they'd also usually have a story behind it that was brutal car accidents murder Mm -hmm. drowning so it almost seems like that some people just the fact that things ended so quickly for them it's like they just they immediately just get like a reset like okay you got 
beaten by a drunk stepdad. So new life immediately. Is that something does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, it's almost like, um, like, you know, we, in the same way, like we remember the things that are the most painful for us. Right. Yeah. And so we have to look at both, um, how, how close to the current time that event happened and also sort of like the, the spatial distance as well. And so I think it's the same thing. Like if you go through a trauma in one physical form and then your consciousness reincarnates um, rather quickly or in a, in a similar location or a similar timeline to where you just were, you carry more of that memory and more of that trauma with you into the timeline versus, you know, if you had a traumatic death, but you chose not to incarnate for a thousand years. So when you do incarnate into this next existence, it looks nothing like the one you came from. The structures are different. You know, people behave very differently. You're less likely to relive those traumas in the same way because it's much further away. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, again, there's just so many different aspects to it that I, that, that I love to think about and some that you've brought up today that I've never thought about, especially even like you said, like coming back a thousand years later, like that's so wild. Like the idea that you could possibly just go do whatever these other things are and then return in a thousand years is absolutely wild. Well, Okay, but it's wild because you're thinking about time as if, uh, like if you have, you know, like slinkies? Sure. You know, like the little toy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we, we think about time as humans, we tend to think about time like if that slinky was stretched all the way out and now is at one end of that slinky and a thousand years is at the other end of that slinky. So in our head, we're like, oh man, we have to, we have to go all the way, we have to, you know, stretch the whole length of this slinky to get from now to a thousand years. But in reality, time isn't linear. Like my, my experience of the universe and of time is that it's more like we can choose for that slinky to be in any state that we want it to be. So, you know, now in a thousand years can be right next to each other. Sure. If we want. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, I, uh, we're, we're getting close to an hour here and I do appreciate you talking to me about all this. I, the, the only other thing that I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm interested in a lot of things, but something that I do, I did want to dig a little bit deeper into, and obviously whatever you're comfortable with talking about is these past lives that you've had. I mean, do you talk about them? Are you open with, with yeah. discussing them? I, I, I would just love to hear about them. Like what other past lives do you remember? Yeah. So, um, in one of my other lives, like I mentioned, I'm an herbal healer and it's someplace, um, like I would say like someplace in Great Britain or the UK is, is my best approximation based on the herbs. Um, I am a monk in another life, which is actually one of my favorite lives. I go there a lot. It's very, it's very soothing for me. Sounds very relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's one of them. I have a lot of lives where I'm actually not in a physical form. So a lot of my lives are actually um, on other planets or in other places. So I work a lot with the Hathors and the Pleiadians, um, which are two groups of aliens, if you will, though they don't prefer that term. Um, And I definitely have lives there. Um, Okay, hold on one second. (laughs) The, the, The two names that you just said, these are other quote unquote alien beings that you from lives what were the names again uh the pleiadians okay is the first one and the hathors okay and you uh, okay that's (laughs) that's wonderful i love that (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, please continue yeah so i mean so that's why you know i have a lot of my lives are they're, they're kind of homogenous, you know, like if, if I'm in a physical form, normally I would say I have red hair, which is interesting. Like I've been a man as much as I've been a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm fascinated with trying to understand like markers. So it's like interesting that I always have red hair as a human. Like, I'm like, why is that? You know, that's a strange sure. thing I've never been able to solve for. Um, 
So, but I, I would say like most of, most of my, my lives, um, when I'm in a, when, it, when I'm in a human form, you know, on this earth are in some way, shape or form in service. So, you know, whether it's, um, like I'm a temple keeper in one of them, um, I'm an herbal healer, I'm an energy healer in another one. So a lot of like healing work, I'm a teacher in one of my lives, which is like, so fascinating because I'm not a kid person at all. Um, <laughs> okay. but, in one of my other, but in one of my other lives, I'm like, I teach kids and I have three kids. Um, oh, wow. So that's, that's kind of a trip. That's so interesting, though, that you're not a kid person when you're clearly like living these multiple lives of healing. Like you <laughs> think you would also have like this compassion for children, but. And I, and I do, I love being an auntie, but like, I just, I think, honestly, I find children's energy very overwhelming. Like they're, they don't control it at all. So like when I'm around a kid, it's like, bing, 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 bing. Yeah, and then like, they don't control sure. their thoughts. So it's yeah. like, just their thoughts are in your head all the time because they don't know how to like keep them out. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So. I mean, I could, I mean, just, I don't hear anything else. And I think kids are annoying. So <laughs> I totally get it. If there was more than just the children themselves, I'd be overwhelmed. So I completely yeah. understand. Um, really quick too, these, these, and, I, and, and you, they don't prefer, prefer the term aliens, you mm -hmm. said, right? What, what would be a, a, a better term? So I call them travelers. That's like the okay. closest approximation that I've been able to come up with in English is the travelers. And so you're, you're a monk, you're a teacher, you're an herbalist. What are you doing in this traveler world? Like what is going on there? So I'm also, I'm a teacher actually as well in one of those incarnations. Um, okay. So I teach a specific form of mathematics that's based in, um, which doesn't make any sense at all. I'm sorry, you, you, you cut out a little bit there. It's based in what? Uh, a type of, uh, it's like I, I teach essentially like a form of geometry, Okay. but it's based uh, on energetics. So it doesn't, sure. okay. it doesn't translate perfectly. Yeah. No, and, and, and that's totally fine. I'm not looking to understand any of this. I just want to hear about it. <laughs> that's all yeah. I care about. Interesting. And, and so you, do you have like a family in this? Is it just you? Like what kind of life do you, do you live? So I would, you know, the, the structures are very different. I mean, every, almost everybody is your family in a sense. I mean, we communicate telepathically. So, you know, the, the communication no is Yeah. There's, you know, so you know what people are feeling, you know what they need. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's a completely, you know, we think of like the family unit here, but in a lot of other lives, a lot of other forms, the family unit is much bigger. It's really not about the family. It's about the entire community. Um, I love that. So, so I have a partner okay. in life. Um, a, a, like I guess like a primary partner though you know again even that is very different and in, in I was gonna say like I mean are you going like on date night like what <laughs> is it is it more of like a friendship you know I, obviously these things are very different but if there was something you had to compare it to is it more of like a platonic partner like how does that or is there like attraction there, there's attraction so they're um like their geometric structure completes my geometric structure. I love, uh, of course it does. That's that, again, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's one so, um, yeah. So it's, it's sort of a way to, and I mean, there are other people in, in my community in that life that, that complete certain pieces of that geometric piece of structure for me as well, but just not in the, in the same way. Like this is, you know, how I experience it is like, uh, two pyramids that kind of like click in click into place together. You know, that's how that person feels to me. That being feels to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Um, I'm so jealous. I mean, do, do you, do you feel like when you, I, I would assume, obviously you don't, this isn't like the first thing that comes up in a conversation when you meet people, although I'm sure it does sometimes, but do you, what, do you feel like, uh, like what kind of response do you feel like you usually get? Like, do you feel like it's more of people are just, obviously people are going to be judgy. People are, are going to not believe. I, I, I understand all that, but do you feel like, like almost it just kind of scares people more than anything? 
I feel I, I really I, I want to hear, but I feel like almost everything that people do is is based in fear. I feel mm-hmm. like that's a big part of a, how a lot of people live their their lives. And I think that's a main reason why we aren't seeing the things mm-hmm. that we could be seeing and and and, and what whatever the, the different situations are. But how do you how do you think th- not how do you think, but like how are you how are you perceived when you're like meeting new people and like these subjects come up for the first time? I can't imagine everybody is excited about it as I am. So I would say you uh you're very excited, which is awesome. That's exciting for me. Um yeah. But no, actually, you know, so my, you know, as I mentioned, like my gift is to be able to resonate somebody's frequency at them, which um, means that typically people are actually very at ease with me. I rarely have negative reactions. Um, Most of my clients and my oldest students call me mom because they just feel like they, they describe this feeling, you know, of being comfortable. Um, when I was younger, it was different. You know, people didn't understand me and I didn't know how to wait was, for the invitation to share. <laughs> was was like elementary school and high school like kind of a nightmare? Was oh, that yeah. difficult for you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was not in this consciousness a lot. <laughs> oh, see, well, that's kind of, that's kind of beautiful is that you could just <laughs> escape. You could just disappear. Yeah, I mean, it causes problems too, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it, it was definitely, I was, I look back and I'm very grateful for, for the fact that I am able to move my consciousness as easily as I do for sure. Yeah. I just, yeah. you know, I mean, high school, middle school, high school is just brutal in general. Just growing up is tough. Mm-hmm. And then you add everything else going on. And I would imagine yes. it, yeah, it could be, it could be somewhat difficult at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great though. That's really great. Okay. So what do you look obviously there's a lot going on i've never really spoken to anybody like you on this podcast and usually um at the end i kind of just want to discuss like do you have obviously you probably have a lot of plans but what is your plan for death mm-hmm. um have you thought about um you know how you'd like to are, are you gonna are you getting buried are you getting cremated does that even matter to you <laughs> i mean what do you have any sort of any of that planned out at all? Um, so I don't have any of it planned out concretely. I mean, I have like I have a do not resuscitate. My you know my sister is my medical power of attorney and the person who will make all those decisions, and she knows what I want. So I mean, there's yeah. that side of it I have figured out. You know, as far as what happens to my body, for me, it's wherever it can do the most good, and 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 then whatever's left over like get rid of it in the way that will harm the environment the least like gotcha sure. yeah so um that's fair enough yeah i was speaking to a funeral professional on another episode and she brought up the idea that i had never thought about before which was a funeral playlist oh. have you thought about what kind of music you'd want to be played it, it, oh, it'd be- like whatever sort of celebratory thing you have is there anything that comes to mind a song that you'd want oh yeah it would be it would it would be the entire untitled track by Sigaross beautiful beautiful choice that's like have you ever seen them live before and it like it changed your life right yeah I, I saw them in it was like 2017 or something at the the theater downtown was that the show you went to with the the light the crazy light show of course we were both at the same show (laughs) um i mean literally everyone around me is just crying the whole time Mm -hmm. it was one of if not the most emotional experience i've probably ever had i mean it was just not only was it just an incredible concert but it was just i'd never seen anything like that before they um their music is what it sounds like on like my one of my worlds that I kind of consider my home world with the Pleiadians their music is what the music sounds like there so for me yeah they feel like home to me and they actually when they play what they do is um, they're able to create different frequencies and they're specific to different energy centers in your body which is why people are so emotional 
emotionally impacted by them because they're actually hitting specific frequencies in your energy channel. They're amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. I bet I, I, I would assume he's got to be one of those dudes that's like living on another planet, you know, he, Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> has to be. That's, that's yeah. solid choice. I, I, I've, I had somebody show show them to me when I was in high school and it was just like I I I'll, I'll be listen I've been listening my ever since I'm they're incredible. If you yeah. don't if you don't I'll I'll I'm going to play some of their music. Um I do like a, a, another podcast too and I usually try and put like some music towards the end. I'm going to have to make sure I I add them to the list. And I'm still figuring out my death playlist, but they're they're absolutely going on there. I want to mix it up. I love the idea of you just having an album like a death <laughs> album is perfect. But I, I want to try and, you know, build a theme to mine. And, and they're oh, definitely gonna be OK. So, who, so who, but who else would be on yours? Now I'm curious. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's it's a it's a lot of of instrumental type music. Uh, there's another band, Explosions in the Sky. I love them. I've seen yeah. them several times, too. I see. I've never seen them live. They're on my list. I I there. I mean, a lot of explosions in the sky. OK, fair. That's fair. Yeah. There's yeah, I, I'm still building it, but but they were the first ones that I, I was like going through their their different albums and I was like, oh I, I need I need that one, I need that. There's a, there's a lot going on. Eventually, um I want to just like build something and put it on Spotify and then people could just listen to it and just be like, here's my death playlist. I love that. I think yeah. that's amazing. I, I would fun. I would get in on that for sure. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for letting me ask a million questions. And did we cover everything? I feel like we, I, I got most of what I had. Is there anything that you, that, that I didn't talk about that you think should be mentioned or did we get at least, we explained what you did and, and all, yeah. are you, how do you feel good about all this? I feel good. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think I would say I, I feel like having a practice around death is so important. And it's something that um, I would encourage anyone hearing this to maybe look into how they can have their own practice around death because it's, uh, you know, the last thing you wanna do is is meet your death um, in a state of like confusion or distress. It's like, if possible, can you at least find something that you've built for yourself that you can sort of hold on to during that transition. So maybe that would be a good parting thought. I love it. Yeah. That's how we'll end it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah.